What's the password? <laughs> Welcome to the Game Master Speakeasy. Brought to you by the record button. Hello and welcome to the Game Master Speakeasy. I am but one of your hosts, Cody, joined by... I'm Lance. This is Lance, everybody. Now, this is going to be an episode where I'm excited to finally answer our first email from a viewer. We've been asking for an email. We got one. <laughs> we got one. Yeah, so I'm, I'm pretty stoked about it, but first, how are you today? I'm doing pretty well. Is that it? That's yeah, it. I mean, that's, that's, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know why I was. It's expecting been a busy more. day. I had a little bit of work to do today before I got here, and and stuff like that. But I mean, all things said and done, I can't complain. All right. <clears throat> well, I myself, uh, I was right before we were showing up to recording. I was wrestling with my 3D printer. I got it. <laughs> My Z-axis or my uh, my home spot for the plate was apparently wrong, and whenever your whenever <laughs> your thing starts making a horrible grinding noise on your two hundred dollar oh, piece of yeah, pushing down too far, yeah, pushing Oof. down too far. So that's always fun. Uh, but first, a spot of news. I don't have a lot of news today, uh, but I do have one interesting thing. Uh, Lance, you are just a little bit older than me. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah, a little bit, a little bit. So, are you familiar with a band? Uh, originating from the 90s called Faith No More. Yes, yes I am. All right. Well, I wanted to share with you that there is an official on Kickstarter Faith No More RPG. Okay. Uh, what <laughs> what is the uh, the premise here? I still can't quite figure it out. <laughs> I have read through the Kickstarter. Don't get me wrong, I like this band. Um, but I have read through the Kickstarter and uh, here's a, a short blurb from the Kickstarter itself. Uh, it's The Real Thing, which is the name of one of their albums. Mm -hmm. I think it might have been their first album. Is a self-contained, story-driven pen and paper tabletop role-playing game inspired by the music of Faith No More. Uh, essentially, oh, this, I, I suppose specifically the album is from 1989, uh, entitled The Real Thing. They basically take a concept from the album and try to turn it into an RPG adventure. I think is the is the goal. It's like a concept RPG. Okay, kinda, I mean, and I kind of like in the same way that um, Morkborg is a, a metal, like yeah, a, a dark heavy metal, black metal uh, fantasy game. Uh, this kind of seems like it's 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 using powered by the apocalypse. So I have to guess that maybe there's like an apocalypse in the nineties. That's I don't know. I can't quite. I After mean, reading the whole Kickstarter page, figure out what is going to go on, but it's going to revolve around their music. Well, see, here's music. the thing. Now I want to go listen to that album and see if there's, like, a theme or a story to it that um, that would otherwise translate into a good tabletop. Because, I mean, maybe somebody was listening to it and was like, holy buckets, this album tells a story. You could totally, like, make a universe out of this, and then did. Speaking of albums uh, telling a story, when's the Coheed and Cambria RPG coming out? <laughs> So, yeah, uh, right now that Kickstarter is live. Uh, as of recording, there's still nearly a month to go on it. But, uh, God, we're, we're recording so far out. Who knows? That might, this might be out uh, around the same time the Kickstarter is ending. But still, you should go check it out. Because even if it's not uh, new news, it's it's news to somebody. Well, I mean, if you're a fan of the band, I would imagine there's got to be something in there for you. Yeah. So that's, uh, there's, a, there's I mean, there's a couple, um, there's, there's more news that I want to... Uh, I don't know, kind of gloss over just a little bit. Like, there's a... 
I'm going to rant about it next right. episode, but there's a, <laughs> there's a release from WizKids, uh-huh. uh, and they have... I think uh, I think they owned the rights to Shadowrun after FASA before it ended up in Catalyst's hands. WizKids did? I think WizKids did. I don't remember which edition it was. Probably third. Okay. Uh, anyway, there's a... So you know that they put out miniatures, WizKids does. They put out a lot of, like, peripherals. There's the the pre... The ones at the, sh- at the local comic book shop that there's just pre primed and ready to go in, in the blister packages okay. on the on the racks. That's by WizKids. Those, okay. mini- those miniatures are put out by them. But for the first time, they're putting out uh, D&D miniatures on sprues. Is, do you know what a sprue is? Yeah, it's the, the things when, you, when you're printing them out. Yep. They're, the, they usually, yeah, the, they usually the inj- fly all those things off. The injection mold plastic. Yeah. They, they, they The sheets of miniatures mm-hmm. that like Warhammer things come on. And they have injection mold plastic sprue. Uh, well, I think it's polystyrene uh, plastic. Uh, D&D miniatures on sprues and they're called uh, WizKids Frameworks and I'm interested in getting a hold of them to see if they are higher quality than the Nolzer's line. Okay. Um, but uh, after... Oh. I'm, I'll talk more about it next episode. Okay, I don't want to rant about it right I, now. Then we'll talk about but, it next episode. That's, that's going to be a, a different thing. But that's that's something else that's new. As, as, as someone who is... I don't know. I grade myself in the like upper or middle novice tier of miniature painting of miniature painters you know i'm you're better at it than i am yeah i'm better at it than you are so i'm better i would say i have enough confidence in it to say that i'm better at it than uh, other novices but i would still place myself in the uh, lower bracket no, say, nobody's if, gonna pay you to print to paint their minis for them heck no <laughs> I, i'm not taking any commissions anytime soon all right uh but that's all i've got uh for news for now so what uh what if you would tell me, have we done recently? Um, probably the most prominent thing is we started a uh, Call of Cthulhu campaign. We did start Call of Cthulhu, and we can talk about it now, uh, that we've run a couple sessions. And why don't you tell me um, your experience of Call of Cthulhu so far? Uh, eventually we'll do a whole episode on it, but what are your first impressions as a player, having run, what, we've done two sessions We did now? two sessions, yeah. Two sessions. Character creation and then two sessions First, tell us that. about character creation. How did you enjoy that? Um, character creation I like. It's, it's, it's pretty numbered numbers driven at the end of the day like like how you get your your stats and stuff like that but it's since it's such a, a heavy role-playing game where combat doesn't take as big a precedent i think i think it gives you there's a lot of skills in there that are kind of unique to to that that you know you're putting together for um i didn't find it to be overly complicated i kind of like the monetary system because it doesn't really require you to like count your dimes and nickels and stuff like that it's, it's more of a, this is your general amount of wealth. Because of that, you can spend this amount of money per day, and you can have this amount of money in assets. It just, it's, it works really well to keep the role-playing flowing without having to worry about those kind of details. So I really enjoyed that. Um, from a game-filled perspective, I always worry about horror games, and we've talked about this a little bit in the, uh, the previous sessions. Um, trying to capture a sense of horror in, in a game, in tabletop game, just... Sometimes can be really difficult, especially if you can't get the group to take things seriously. Um, I think so far everybody's been pretty good. We've had our fair amount of jokes, and we're enjoying it in the same levity that we do other games. But like, there was a specific scene oh, that yeah. happened to my character in in was it the first session actually? Um, and to understand this, you kind of have to understand how the push rolls work in this game. Do you want to explain that? Yeah. So the way push rolls work, and you, there's uh, multiple systems that use 
push rolls, uh, the Call of Cthulhu system being one of them. Most of the systems by Free League Publishing do this, where if you fail a roll, uh, you can push a roll where it basically allows, uh, in some form of another, re-roll. I think in certain systems, it just you can push a certain number of dice. In this one, you just re-roll. But in Call of Cthulhu, it represents a furthering uh, attempt. So, for instance, if you're trying to uh, trail someone through a misty, foggy street in the 1920s, <laughs> and you're trying to trail them, and you fail your stealth roll... You might say, oh, I duck behind the dumpster uh, as, a, as a further effort. Mm -hmm. to... or, or you can use another skill in an yeah, attempt could, to push the roll. You could use a different skill to push the roll in Call of Cthulhu. Which, a good example of that would be, let's say you're trying to persuade somebody and you fail and you decide you want to switch to intimidation. Oh, yeah. That, you that know, represents they, they're, not li they're not listening to reason, so you decide that, okay, fine, then I'm going to threaten you to get what I want. So if you push a roll and then you still fail it, Essentially, the rules tell the uh, keeper, uh, which is what they call the the referee Game in Master. Call of Cthulhu. You, the keeper, has uh, carte blanche, uh, free reign to just push the horror and take control of the situation. It doesn't necessarily mean that the player fails, but the keeper has free reign to make the situation go the way they want. If a player opts to push the roll and then fails, you can decide to do whatever you want. And you still might provide the players a win, but it's probably going to come at a cost. That's that's a, a good way to push up the creepiness. So when you were... Dial up the weird. Yeah, when what tell me what happened in your situation, Lance. For oh. Your character, who is a burglar. Okay, broad brush strokes here. Um, our party is... It kind of investigating collectively, a bunch of us from different backgrounds, a series of disappearances and at least one murder that have all occurred kind of in the same area of, uh, what's the name of the city we're in? Uh, Arkham. Arkham, duh. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it's right in Arkham, which yeah. is a creation of, uh, so, in, in the Cthulhu mythos, yes. a very prominent city. So we're, we're in Arkham, and um, my burglar he decides to go down to the wharf district, which is where the disappearances have been happening. And it's where the murder occurred. And most of the disappearances had uh, up until that point, I think there was one guy that disappeared, but we found him later. Um, had been young women. Uh, so my guy, he goes down there and, you know, if you don't know the context of what he's doing, this comes off as really creepy, but basically he's watching as these women in downtown are heading toward the harbor district and one of them heads that direction and he is following her quietly in the shadows using his his burglary based skills to not be seen predominantly because he's hoping to either keep her safe or at least find out what it is that is committing these acts right um not because he has any ill intent toward her not that she would know that but you know <laughs> so um i end up fail after a series of rolls i follow her we find the speakeasy she goes to the speakeasy and then she leaves and she goes back down the harbor district I continue to follow her in an attempt, again, to make sure that either she makes it to where she's going safely or to find out what it is that's creeping around down here. I fail my stealth roll. I go ahead and push the roll, and I fail again. I love this system because I kind of want to fail sometimes. Oh, yeah. Because things got weird. So as I am, you know, going through the alleyways and making my way along the streets, keeping out of sight of this lady in the dead of night... I fail my roll, I fail my push roll, and all of a sudden this fog rolls in to the, uh, the, the harbor district. 
I lose track of her. First, I can still hear her, but I can't see her. And then eventually she gets far enough away that I can't even hear her anymore. And then all of a sudden, I can hear in the fog somewhere behind me, something is walking. But it's got like a, a, a weird gait to it where it's like like step and then there's like a scraping noise. Oh, yes. And of course, if that doesn't give you pyramid head vibes, I don't know. Yeah. What will. So here I am and I am by myself. I have abandoned the rest of the party. I have split the group um, in an attempt to at least contribute to the solving of this murder, utilizing the skills that I have. Because honestly, everybody else has low enough stealth. They would have drugged me down anyway. <laughs> um, but, you know, trying to do my thing. And now I'm stuck in the mist in an area where people have either been murdered or vanished with something stalking me. Um, fortunately for, for the, the lad that I'm playing, he, he did survive. We, I never actually encountered the thing. But I will tell you, Cody did a really good job of dialing up the creepy vibes. I felt very alone, very horrified, and very scared for my character. I think it really helps that it's a system where your character is pretty vulnerable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you this don't is... level up, you've had 10 HP, it's probably going to stay 10 HP for the entirety of that <laughs> character's it's, lifespan. It's only ever going to be 10 HP or less, and right. less is not what I want, so... yeah. And then on top of that, there's sanity rolls and mm-hmm. things like that. I think it really, it kind of gives you the same vibe as, as you know, within the last decade or so, maybe a little longer than that, we've seen this kind of rash of, like, video games that are horror genre video games where you don't really have a good, effective means of defending yourself. Oh, yeah, like and amnesia. It's, yeah, and it's not to say that Call of Cthulhu doesn't provide you with weapons if you need it. My guy's pretty handy with a knife, and he knows how to use a gun. But some of the things that you're going to be going up against in Call of Cthulhu, I'm guessing that a knife or a gun is not going to be a terribly effective weapon against some kind of cosmic horror or cosmic horror-related thing. You can guess all you want. Yeah, I know. I'm looking at him, and he's looking at me, and he's not telling me. But my point is is that I don't feel like... Like, in D&D, if you run into a monster, you feel like, depending on your level and its level, you've got a chance at killing it. When I would talk about, like, the kind of things in Call of Cthulhu, my base assumption is that as a human, I'm screwed. <laughs> like that, that, Especially a lone human. Yes, exactly. As, as a lone human, I don't know what this thing is, but I know that I don't want to fight it. And that helps to dial up that creepy factor. So I, I really enjoyed that encounter. And honestly, I look forward to failing more push rolls. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. See, that just goes to show that failure can drive the story forward. It, it, so you should embrace this. I mean, that that was my, my failure was my favorite moment in that session. I was like, oh, man, I sucked. And everything got so much more fun because of it. So you got most of it down from the game master or the keeper's perspective. What I really like about push rolls is it gives me an opportunity to flex the improv muscle because it, you never know when we're going to fail a push roll. So you can't really prepare for it. Right. It's, it's a game that really forces you to be pretty prepared to improv what's going to happen next. And it, uh, it, it, the game is going to shine more because of it if you are, the better you get at it. Oh yeah, for sure. The more you can roll with the punches and, and not railroad things and come up with things on the fly, Call of Cthulhu is a game that can get really neat. I, I look forward to it and, you know, just, just so the listeners are all aware, it is a very heavy role-playing game. You're oh, not yes. You're not going to see a lot of combat. We've done two sessions now, still no combat. That's a good thing for our survival. <laughs> yeah, and so uh, look forward to maybe us talking about an entire episode on this system later. I, I would dig it. For the... for. What we will talk about next, Lance, this is a speakeasy. Uh, so for those of you that are age appropriate, whether you be uh, 21 or older in the United States or in, you know, many European countries, 18 or older, 
Or, or, oh, heck, I mean, was it like 14 in certain European countries or or something like that? I mean, I'm I'm pretty sure there's still places in the world where if you're tall enough to see over the bar, they'll serve you. (laughs) So, yeah, as long as you're uh, age appropriate, not breaking the law, why don't you saddle up to the bar and get a uh, adult beverage from today's bartender, Bartholomew? And uh, Lance, what are we drinking today? Well, I brought for us a uh, a fruited kettle sour from a uh, local brewery called Single Speed Brewing. It is called Can in the Sand. This is one of their newer ones. It's got a... It says limited release on this it. This is too. limited release, too. So, you know. Um, I think the other one that I that I have in my bag today is also a limited release. Um, but this one, it's got pineapple, coconut, mango, and vanilla flavors. It is a sour, if you're into sours. Um, I like it because despite the fact that it is a fruited sour, none of the fruits or and none of the flavors that I just listed are terribly dominant. They don't, uh, yeah. They, they they don't push one of each, they don't push one another. No, out of the it way. just it tastes it's, like a really good even sour, and you can taste hints of all those flavors, but none of them are punching you in the face. It's not a mango sour, even though there's mango in it. To to use uh, miniature painting terms, it feels like you've layered with pineapple, coconut, and mango, <laughs> and then you did a glaze of vanilla over top of it to kind of blend them together yeah it's it's a good sour my wife very specifically enjoyed it we we actually went to the brewery yesterday and uh and it is appropriate because it kind of gives you uh the weather is starting to warm up here mm -hmm. and it gives just the the art on the can the taste and the weather all kind of fit together right now i'm I'm excited for a a productive summer of role-playing inside a basement (laughs) (laughs) all right so I would say that this beer is definitely worth drinking uh, at the game, the gaming table. I would probably uh, drink this for the beach episode. Yeah, <laughs> we can get more of it. It's limited release, yeah. but they still got it. Uh, this would go really well uh, on a pirate-themed campaign. I would say <laughs> very appropriate, which is uh, you know something that we do. But so maybe that's a little bit of a bias. All right. So for today's open topic or the primary uh, discussion that we're going to have today by the way if you haven't figured it out i didn't mention it earlier like i usually do we like to talk about tabletop role-playing games welcome (laughs) to the podcast uh today's primary topic is going to be an answering uh of an email that we got from one of our viewers shout out shout out to chris yes chris thank you for reaching out with your question uh basically i I won't read the whole thing but i'm going to sum it up chris does have experience running uh tabletop games so he had a couple of years of experience yeah a couple years of experience which uh you know i'm I'm, that's not too far below me i mean i've been doing it what five now Uh, i guess it's half a decade it depends on how you frame it (laughs) percentage wise it's still a lot less than you right yeah well but it's a it's a very important question because uh, when you're starting to learn a new system, there is a lot of rules to take in. And uh, Chris wanted to know if we had any advice on learning systems and, uh, more importantly, retaining the knowledge, which is, you know, rule memorization. Mm-hmm. And I will start off by saying that uh, to try and memorize an entire system is definitely a fool's errand. That's why yeah. Game Master screens exist. Mm-hmm. So my first thing is, well, do you have any, like, specific uh, things that you do? Because I know that I'll, I'll, you know what, I'll start and let you think of it. All right, go um, for it. I've taken a page out of other, other dudes I've seen uh, online where uh, when I first go through a book, I try to read it front to back, or at the very least, r- r- read all the rules sections front to back. Because sometimes I don't care about the lore. Mm-hmm. 
you know, I I often will use my own homebrew setting uh, for whatever game we're running. So, you know, in Pathfinder, we're not playing in uh, Galarian. In D&D, we did play in Forgotten Realms, but there's a whole wiki for that. So yeah. I don't need to read the book stuff unless I need to. I try to read through all the rules sections uh, twice. The first time that I do it, I don't take any notes. I kind of skim it, on, honestly. Like, I read through, and I don't spend a lot of time uh, rereading if I didn't understand anything. Because when I'm going through a rule book uh, for the first time to learn a system, there's a lot of things that they say in the earlier parts of the book that don't make sense until you've read mm -hmm. other rules. Yep. Right? So you've got rules that reference other rules, so it's hard to actually have it click in one's mind until you've kind of got at least a base understanding of everything that's going on. So I'll give the whole book a read-through. And so, you know, to start, learning a rule system does take work. Yeah, no, for sure. It's going to take some time. It takes work and time, mm -hmm. which is, you know, not always fun, but it can be very interesting, but if not fun. The more you play it, the easier it's going to get. Like, you're going to you're gonna repeat the same rules time over time over time over time, and eventually you're going to get to the point where they stick. Oh, yeah. Eventually. Well, hopefully. And, yeah. and if you don't, you can always keep notes. Yep. You can always keep a... You can, well, I'll get to that later, but <laughs> the second time I read through the rules uh, notes, I like to take notes. Mm -hmm. or, like, I read through the rules, and on the second read-through, after I've kind of had a glimpse of everything that's going on in the system, I will either... I'm Honestly, I've got really crappy handwriting, <laughs> uh, so I will usually make a Word document. Type it up, yep. But whether you, whether you have access to a computer or not, uh, maybe you take notes on with a pencil and paper. That's fine. But take notes on the things that you think are the most important rules or the ones that you think you're going to have a hard time remembering. Because when you write something out, whether it be via keyboard or uh, pencil and paper, it helps to commit it to memory. Yeah. You know, that's why that's why in school they tell you to take notes is because by the act of actually processing that information, there are... And don't get me wrong, I'm no neurologist, but, you know, you're always taught that those centers of the brain are more... Oh, here. <coughs> Excuse me. There's one for, there's one for the producer. <laughs> <laughs> Pardon me, good sir. Uh, so as you're going through the... Uh, so go through those rules and take notes. Because taking notes does help with memorization. Mm -hmm. um, sure. I will say that uh, it's, it's something that you can focus on if a player is playing a certain class. Take notes on that class. If you have a player who is notorious for not remembering things focus on that class mm -hmm. there are some players in the party you can expect to help you out with these things yes yeah. uh I'll, how about you getting a, a word in edgewise well, before no, no. i keep ranting about no it? i mean you're you're actually parroting a lot of the things that i would have said um okay. so do you have anything to supplement well uh, directly on topic yeah i mean said? i i also tend to read through the books twice that's like step one yeah um it helps if your players can know their stuff because they're going to be able to help you um, taking notes, again, as, as, as Cody reiterated, that tends to lock things in. Now, I prefer to type, because like you, I can't read my own handwriting, but I found that when <laughs> I handwrite notes, I tend to memorize them better. Right. You know, yeah, I would say that there is something about handwriting. And so, I mean, if, you, if you're taking notes to lock it into your brain, not to reference the notes, probably handwriting might be a little bit better. Yeah. But here's the thing. At the end of the day, you're not going to memorize the entire book front to back, no matter how hard you try, unless you have, you know, a photographic memory. And that's um, why Game Master mm -hmm. screens exist. Yeah. Game Master screens help. The notes are going to help. 
But I think one of the things that, that you need to do is if you have a baseline understanding of the, the kind of kernel from which the rules spawn from, the, the basic ideas behind the rules, if you have to fudge something, that's okay, but make a note to yourself to look the rule up after the fact. Yeah, absolutely. Because if, even if you do it three or four times before you finally get it, if you force yourself to go back and look that rule up, then you're going to eventually remember it. Yes. I mean, if nothing else, because your brain's going to get tired of you having to go back and look it up every time it's going <laughs> to dedicate it. And that's that's true. That yeah. is, I, I can tell you right now that there have been multiple instances where I have had to relook the same rule mm-hmm. up, either because it didn't come up one session mm-hmm. after another, uh, and I had to, you know, improv on the fly. And that's, that's always part of your decision as the game master, whether or not to fudge a rule or i should say no i shouldn't even i don't think we should even use the word fudge but to make an arbitration Mm -hmm. you you, you are the one who is in charge of running the game so it's you're you're judge jury and executioner in this regard so you are you've made a ruling Mm -hmm. on it yeah and you will look up what the you will look up what the game developer said later to keep the game running and i think we've probably talked about this before if it's a dramatic important story moment then maybe you make the call to say, hey, we're going to crack the book open. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, uh, hopefully your players empathize and understand this exact same mentality. Because in order to keep the game running, most of the time, it's it's better, honestly, to do exactly what Lance mm-hmm. said and make a ruling, but also make a note and say, hey, we'll look up what the actual one says uh, at the end of the uh, session. Yeah. Now, to put an asterisk to that, um, if you are... In a, in a moment that could, like, legitimately turn, like, say, say you're playing combat, and this is the kind of thing where the, the, the action being taken could turn the combat for or against your players in a very bad way, the kind, of, the kind of bad way where characters end up dying or you end up with a TPK, there's no reason at that point to not say, hold on, I want to make sure that I'm doing this right. Mm-hmm. Because... It's as a player. It's the kind of thing where if you get killed because of a bad ruling your GM made, it doesn't feel great. No, it, it does not. And and so so if it's going to be one of those life or death moments, if it's going to be the kind of thing that is going to drastically swing the flow of combat for, especially against the players, but I mean even for the players in some cases, you know it, it might be worth taking a five minute break to just look the rule up. But if it's not, if it's not one of those moments, if it's a moment where no matter how you rule, it's not going to really destroy anything, then just make a note for yourself. Just say, hey, go back and look this up after the fact. Yeah, and know that uh, know that every game master makes mistakes. Yeah, but I'm um, scatterbrained as hell, so. <laughs> I mean, I'll be honest with you. I usually, especially with new systems, have to go back and look stuff up all the time. Ever since I was very young, let's say about third, third grade, fourth grade, or something like that, uh, I, I promise you this is related. <laughs> no, no, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm waiting to hear it. <laughs> I have always kind of had a, uh, a f- an anxiety in regards to making mistakes and failure that would prevent me from trying something. Mm-hmm. Um, and over time, I have had to kind of cross over this hurdle, and I still struggle with it to this day, that it's better to make the attempt and fail and learn from the mistake than it is to have never tried at all. Oh, absolutely. So... Uh, don't get me wrong, it's always going to be the, oh, just don't have anxiety. No, that's, that's impossible. <laughs> but uh, try to embolden yourself to make those mistakes 
and forge forward in your game mastering experience. Uh, one example I'll give is there's a time, and I don't know if we talked about this one in our Making Mistakes video, but there was an instance where uh, Dan wanted to ride the back of a large-sized young black dragon in D&D on a mountaintop. Do you recall that? I don't. Uh, it's, it's the time the dog died from the gas uh winston had a winston had a pet dog and it was uh, well you guys were crossing oh, crossing the star mounts yes i do remember and in D D, um there are there is like an optional rule in the game masters section where you can like uh climb up on top of bigger creatures mm -hmm. but it's usually two size categories above and if i had been better about making an improvisational ruling the players would have had more fun mm -hmm. in that moment so that's just something to keep in mind is that uh, sometimes if the rules don't fit, the rule of cool and improvisation can actually improve. It can add butter to your toast, in, yeah. in a sense. And and in situations like that, if I'm going to err on either side, I generally tend to err on the side of the players. Yeah, because, oh, yes. because let's face it, your dead monsters don't actually have feelings. They don't care that they got waffled because you made a ruling in the players' favors. On the other hand, you're playing usually playing at a group of uh, table with a group of your friends. And they're there to have a good time. So if, if you're going to play a little bit by the seat of your pants, and that is perfectly acceptable to do, just remember that when push comes to shove, it's probably a little bit better to lean ever so slightly in favor of the players. Absolutely. Um, another note on memorization. It's it, Honestly, a lot of things that uh, public school tries to teach you <laughs> come to play. And I, even though part of my brain reels against it, uh, then it's, it's one thing to probably touch on is flashcards yeah i i have before for certain rules or pieces of lore used flashcards to memorize things well and, and to save time you keep a usually keep a post-it note or not a post-it note like a uh card what are a, a post-it oh right you you mean like a i have a shorthand thing of information that has like players yeah that are our ac yeah. and, and any other relevant stats I, I will often keep a sheet of paper or a post-it note or something behind the screen that has all of the players' uh, AC, what their passive perception is, what their what their insight score is, a bunch of things that you would often want to hear from your players. That way, I have it easily available. Uh, but I would say I would say start with taking notes, and uh, from and then. If you're still having, like, after taking your notes on your second read-through of a book, and I understand that, you know, a lot of people are busy out there, mm -hmm. and game mastering is a little bit of a dedication. Uh, it, it should not it be... It does an, require a little bit of work. ...an imposing one. And I'll have some encouraging words uh, after we talk about methods, too, because <laughs> um, one thing that Chris talked about is the, uh, like, when you run for more, ex like, ex players that are experienced or more experienced than you, there is kind of an anxiety to that, which... I was a, I was a drum major in high school for the marching band, and I was a sophomore, and I had a, a heck of a hard time, you know, the fear of telling upperclassmen that what they're doing they need to augment <laughs> yeah. as, as someone who is less experienced mm -hmm. than them. I think that is very similar to a role-playing thing, where mm -hmm. you might have equal or less experience to someone you're running a game for, uh, and then that might be kind of intimidating. And that's and that is okay. It's okay to be 
uh, in awe of things like that to feel a little bit of fear. You can lean on those experienced players. Um, most of them probably, if they're experienced, have gone through the rule books, at least as far as the the rules associated with their class, very possibly through the rules associated with everything. But lean on those guys. I mean, those are, like, the term rule lawyer gets a bad rap sometimes because there's really two kinds of rule lawyers. There is the rule lawyers that are people that just know the rules even though they're not GMing and they don't necessarily have to know the rules. And then there are the rule lawyers who's basically are using those rules in an attempt to advantage their characters in ways that are in largely selfish, basically. Um, so if you've got players that, that know their way around the table, understand the rules for the system that you're playing, you don't have to memorize everything. And a lot of times you can ask them. Now, if they give you an answer and it sounds too good to be true, it might be worth looking up. But for the most part, you know, they're going to they're gonna probably take at least enough of an interest in how their character works to understand those rules. And I would say that if you have a group of players, if they, if they are experienced and you are putting in the effort to, to run a good game, like you have dedication, you really care about your game, players that, like good experienced players will pick up on that. Mm -hmm. And they will, you don't need to be afraid of stumbling because even if they have, a, it, for, there's one of two situations, right? Either one, they're only players, and they don't know what it's like behind the screen. Yep. And so you, that means that they've never had the guts or care to do so. Or two, they've been behind the screen and know and empathize with yep. you. Like, so they, those are your two situations, right? I, I think our group is, we're kind of lucky that way, because mm -hmm. you and me have, have quite a bit of experience in game mastering, and um, at least a couple of the other players at the table that we have have at least dabbled in it enough to understand what it's like sitting on that side of the table. Oh, yeah. And if you have... So, you know, assuming you've got good, experienced players, they will and should be patient and understanding with you. And they know and recognize and are thankful for, even if they don't say it, they're happy to have a game where the, the game master cares mm -hmm. and is, is given a gosh darn... A, given a big gosh darn... <laughs> Uh, Kahoot! Yeah, that's my. I'm trying. I was trying not to swear. Trying there. to keep this P PG <laughs> yeah. if you can. Um, you, you know the 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 players want to show up and have fun, mm -hmm. and so if you are orchestrating that for them, they will be thankful, regardless of their experience level. Yeah, they they should they should understand that you are putting a fair amount of effort into this, that they don't have to. I mean, that's at the end of the day, as a player, you're fortunate because you don't have to put in that multitude of work that the game master has to put in and the game master typically enjoys it that's why they keep doing it but at the end of the day it's still if you're just talking total number of hours invested in your game night as a player your investment is almost entirely the actual game session pretty as much a, as a gm have you, you already done character creation great show up for the next yeah half that's years basically all you got to do is just show up and play as a GM, you have to plan for this stuff. You gotta, you gotta put stuff together. And I, I think, I think an experienced group of players appreciates it, even if you don't realize that they do. And they probably aren't nearly as worried about it as you think they are. Oh, that's true. Mm -hmm. it, it could be that it is something that uh, you are the most stressed over. Now that doesn't that doesn't mean that your stress isn't real. We recognize <laughs> and understand that your stress is real, but try and keep those more positive notes in mind. That power of positive thinking, uh, despite, you know, certain certain situations might be inappropriate, uh, in this situation is a real tactic. Try, 
at least make the attempt. Wake up every day and say, I put effort into game mastering so that my players can have fun and they will respect it. You fake it till you make it if you have to. Yeah. Trick yourself into that positive mentality. And, and generally speaking, if they keep showing up every week for the game session, that's usually a pretty good sign. Yeah, that's, even if, that's even true. If, even if they're not singing praises, the fact that they're showing up means they're having a good time because they could be doing something else with their time if they were. And uh, as a as a kind of an adjacent note to that, um, I re I read a piece of advice actually okay. on Reddit where uh, someone was talking about how they had issues getting people to show up. Like there was always one person missing, mm -hmm. um, and some groups have you know, a lot of people showed up to that thread and talked about the show must go on rule where if you're only missing one or two like one player or something or mm. if at least half the group shows up you play regardless and suddenly everyone shows up yeah so, so if you if well, you once, say hey well, we're playing on this day whether you're there or not it, i think i think some groups the ones that want that want to be there they get a little bit of fomo a little bit of fear of missing out and that's kind of how you'll through the uh, through the the sifter, you'll the, find the, the transitive property. Yeah, the, you'll find it through the sifter. You'll be able to weed out the players that really do want to be there mm -hmm. and be a part of this experience that you're all building together. Well, yeah, and, and, I mean, because if you have a, a, a player that really does care about the campaign, but tends to have I. I don't know if I want to use the term selfish, but more of a selfish desire, a game night, and they think, well, I could go play games or I could go out drinking. If they realize that you're not going to stop the world spinning so that they can go out and have a party night, they're probably going to show up. Probably, you know what I mean? They're yeah. going to they're going to start showing up. Now, and if, you, if, if they don't want to be there... And, 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 and if they're consistently not showing up, replace them. Yeah. And <laughs> I mean, which, just find which, a new one. Yeah, I mean, it's... Uh, it's at first might be a cold statement to hear because perhaps this person is a close friend mm -hmm. and it can hurt uh, when, when one of your friends does not want to show up to your game night anymore. But you know, as, as long as you have a discussion about it, say, Hey, I'm, I'm cool with you uh, not wanting to be in game. Maybe in the same way that other hobbies for some people come and go mm -hmm. game night can be like that too. It might have nothing to do with the quality of your game mastering. Yeah, it, might, they... it might be just a person is uh, growing tired of mm -hmm. game night. Uh, it might be a per someone might be going through depre depression can set it's, in and some, some change in their life could have occurred that makes it so they have less time to do the game thing. You know, I mean, don't be, don't be a, dick and just throw them out of the group but i mean just sit them down and say hey listen this has got to be a priority for everybody here talk to your players like they're <laughs> yeah, exactly talk to them like they're humans uh but yes i mean as lance said lean on your experienced players uh in summation i would say what have we, we've covered read through the book twice or yep. at least read through all the rules twice take notes take, mostly for memorization purposes take, but yeah, notes take are nice. handwritten notes if you can find the time to do so Make flashcards of the rules that you think are important or the ones that you're having a particular problem with. Uh, I didn't, you know, we've mentioned the Game Master's screen. Don't forget that the Game Master's screen is there because yeah. that's something that I have been guilty well, of. Well, and, you know, I, I can understand, like, a lot of the times I, I feel like when I look up, a, like, the price of a Game Master's screen, I'm like, this is just a cardboard with stuff printed on it. It's still worth it. I mean, it, it, it really is. It almost is. always is. It, or, or print off the rules that you need and make your own homemade one if you want to get by, you know, on the cheap. But have a Game Master screen. It's yeah. just always going to help you. And, you know, there's the whole fudging dice thing, you mm -hmm. being able to hide behind that. But honestly, 
it's really the information that is mm -hmm. the best use out of it because you've got all these uh, a good game master screen will have you know all your combat rules right all at least the in broad strokes all the combat rules uh, it might even have uh, the price of an ale at the local mm -hmm. tavern um, my my favorite one to see on there is like grappling rules or things like nope. that. When it has, when it has all the conditions a game has, that's super great. And I have found myself uh, about to stop a session and look up a rule and then look up at the game master screen and remember, Oh yeah, I have this nifty, nifty, nifty thing planted on the table in mm -hmm. front of me that is a rules reference. So well, don't forget that I it's mean, there because know, honestly I have. Most of the time the, the game master screen, pretty much all the time, the game master screen is something that is manufactured and, and, and approved by the developers of the game. These are the things that they think are important enough that you should have a reference for them so you don't have to memorize them. And if there are things that are not on the game master screen or if there are things on the game master screen that you don't think is important... It's your, it's your Game Master screen. Uh, write a note and tape it over the stuff that's say, useless. Get you a sticky note. Type, write yeah. something on there, slap it over the section of the screen that yeah, you're get, not currently using. And get yourself some scotch tape mm -hmm. and tape right over the... If you don't care about how long... Maybe you're not using the travel times. Yeah. Tape right over the travel times and put how your Paladin's smite function works mm -hmm. right, on the, right, on the, right on the thing. You know, custom... I guess what I'm saying is get organized. Yeah. Find between well, between note cards and putting extra notes uh, or augmentations to your uh, reference sheets. You it knowing where the information is is a good way to speed up things altogether. Well, and you've done something, and this is this is kind of a more recent habit that you've developed. But I've noticed you've always got your laptop in front of you. Yeah, and and you have the PDFs up. Yeah, I have the PDFs up. Well, and well, in particular, it's easy with any game whose rules are online. Mm -hmm. Well, uh, I was just going to say, if you can get your hands on a, a PDF that's not just a scan, but a PDF that you can actually search through, and you have access to a laptop or a tablet or something that you can bring with you to game night, that makes it a lot easier to quick look up those rules. For anyone who is not well-versed in computers, uh, for I, I actually don't know how Apple computers work, but on Windows, if you hit Control plus F in almost anything, whether it be a PDF or a website, it brings up a little window where you can type in what you want to search on the page. Yep. So even if you it's have your find function, yeah, it's it's how you it's basically the find on page function. And so whether you're using a you might Control F in a PDF and look and just type in grappling. And uh, if you're using like Adobe Acrobat uh, viewer, sometimes if it's a really long document it can take a couple seconds to find all mm -hmm. the instances of it but also with pathfinder all the rules are online yeah there's an entire website where you can just go and google uh, literally well, no, you can you can put in the search bar the rules and yep. it'll bring it up pathfinder bring up 2 there. grappling rules boom so right if there. you have access to a laptop now not everyone does mm -hmm. so if you don't have access to a laptop make your own uh page yep. of notes and rules get a little analog with it yeah get a little analog spiral notebook anything whatever you can uh, etch it into stone if you have to just ha augment your own uh rules that you have easy access to that's that's on if you if the memorization tactics fail like if repetition is not helping you remember stuff get organized and make that information easy to access mm -hmm. because at the end of the day especially with the more systems you learn they're gonna start to bleed together <laughs> yeah uh, streetwise yeah the, I, 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 I i when we first ran call of cthulhu i called for a streetwise role which is not a skill in call of cthulhu 
It does not exist. It exists in Traveler, which I was also uh, learning at the same time. Deadlands. It's in Deadlands, mm -hmm. which is a, a game that we have, a yeah. game that I started with. Mm -hmm. But it is not in Call of Cthulhu. I, you know, so it's it's. You can get a little bit of game schizophrenia where you start to start to let bleed over from one game to another. Get to yeah. You. It's a, a, the system reference scatterbrain yep. essentially, and it will happen, and that's okay. So. In addition to trying to making greater attempts to memorize, spending the time to do so, uh, getting organized in the parts where you can't find the the power to memorize, because that's okay. Everyone's everyone's brain works different. Some people are really good at memorizing things after reading them once or twice, and other people aren't. Um, I fall into the art camp. <laughs> <laughs> right. And that's why things like Game Master's screens and uh, extra little notes can help. Uh, I, f I keep an Excel spreadsheet of NPC names, but essentially the cast list mm -hmm. uh, for my campaign. Um, that's another thing. You know, I, I often forget NPCs, and I try to keep a spreadsheet that has them all on there. And I organize them by what their ancestry is, who their allegiance belongs to, uh, where their current last known location was, and if a little blurb on, about them. If you make them up on the fly, write them down, because the players will ask, even if you thought that was a throwaway. That's right. Anytime you have to make up an NPC, add them to your uh, repertoire, wherever you're keeping information. Like, a, you know, you've, when you go to a play, it's got everyone who's playing who. Mm -hmm. Try to keep one of those somewhere. Yeah. Uh, so just being organized in general will help you run your game flat out. Full stop. That's it. Get organized for the things that you cannot memorize. Lean on your players. If you have experienced players, recognize the fact that the, they're, they, the ones that want to be there will respect and appreciate your efforts. For sure. If you are showing dedication and care, it's not going to go unrecognized. Absolutely. You're the one putting in the time, and most players will know that. So, lean on those players. Anything else to add? Just thanks to Chris for the email. Yes. Thank you, Chris, for reaching out. I This has been a lot of fun, uh, answering an email right here on the podcast. We'd uh, like to do more of it. If we would got like subjects to you'd like it, us so to talk about, please email. Chris, tell your friends. Everyone else who's listening, tell your friends. Anyone who's listening who hasn't emailed us, which is most of you, <laughs> uh, send us an email with topics you would like to hear us discuss uh, in varying degrees of detail. Uh, and varying levels of tangential topics, getting off topic and things like that. But we will do always our best to try and touch on it. Uh, that said, uh, we're going to wrap Bartholomew. up here because that is last call. Bartholomew says it's time for us to finish our drinks and get the heck out of here. So the next time, we hope to see you next time that you stop in. But uh, if you want to hear more of us or reach out to us, you can find the Record Button Production Group on TikTok, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Uh, this podcast and others held by the record button are found on uh, Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, YouTube, Spotify. And uh, if you want to reach out to us directly, as we keep encouraging you to do, it is <laughs> gmspeakeasyofficial at gmail.com. Thank you very much for your time, Lance. You got any uh, final goodbyes? Uh, just get home safe. That's right. Get home safe.